1: Hey there, Vault Dwellers and Wastelanders. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, back from the dead. um, I didn't sound dead on the last episode of the show, but since then I've come down with the PAX box and uh, have basically been comatose for the last uh, about five days or so. So uh, starting to feel a little bit better. You might hear it a little bit in my voice still, but I decided, you know what? Gotta gotta keep moving. Gotta do another episode of the Fallout Lorecast. So here I am, back with you guys. And this week I wanted to get into uh, basically with Wastelanders releasing in about a month. We're all going to be going back to West Virginia. And I know some of us haven't left. Some of us have been regulars in Fallout seventy six. But there are people who probably jumped into the game early on and decided to. Eh, this really wasn't for them. They're going to wait for some more updates or bug fixes or, or wastelanders to come out. And some people were probably just on the fence the whole time or deciding, you know what, this isn't for me, but maybe with wastelanders coming out and all the buzz, they're going to jump back into it. So with all that, I thought, what better episode to do to get you guys ready to then to talk about West Virginia and the lore of the game? And really, why is that the setting for Fallout 76? Kind of do kind of a refresher on that. So I was thinking about this, and I was like, you know, I could go into it myself, or I could just call up my buddy Dave. So, uh, so why don't we do that? Here, hold on a second. Let me see if I can get a hold of him. Okay, all right. I think it's ringing. Let's see if Dave picks up. Hello. Hey, Dave. Hey, Tom. How you doing? Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going? It's going well, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, um, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm recording right now. I'm doing, i doing oh. an episode of the fallout lorecast and sorry, I couldn't join you guys on the fallout hub yesterday. We, you guys were recording, but I didn't have my voice back. Um,
2: well, I mean, we, the robot had you downstairs and we just,
1: we, we thought that he would get, he, he was a handy resource for you. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Mr. Handy. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I look forward to hearing the episode once, uh, because I'll actually get to listen to it without having been on it, which is kind of fun. Um, but I, now that I'm able to talk, I was like, you know what, I want to do an episode about, uh, West Virginia. And, and so who else to call than my buddy Dave, who did, uh, Vault Boys WV, and mm-hmm. all the, you know, all the West Virginia stuff, because that's where you live. And you're basically yes. Miss, Mr. West Virginia, right? You've got like a sash.
2: Uh, I've, got a, I've got a minor in Appalachian studies and it's on my wall up here in a nice little glass case.
1: Does he complain? Uh, oh, like, not like a minor human. No, like a, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. That's good. That's a good dad joke <laughs> on my part. So and um, here, we, and here we are, Tom. And here we are yet again. Uh, <laughs> here we are yet again. Um, so, hey, uh, so I thought maybe we could pick your brain about West Virginia and why the heck West Virginia for, you know, fall, Laura? Like, why, why would why did they go there? What was the deal oh, with yeah. that?
2: Yeah. So um, this is not particularly my knowledge, but a lot of um, through interviews they did. They were thinking about, you know, making this game um, and letting it be a um, like a, an American state. Uh, which is a lot of land unless it's, you know, Rhode Island or something like that, that that would be interesting. Um, and the original pitch was that it was going to be Pennsylvania. Um, mm. because that's where um, that's where Todd Howard, I think, is originally from and grew up. And so they were going to do a bunch of that. But then it seems like and this may be a little speculation because I can't exactly remember the direct quote is that there was this other group of people that wanted to do West Virginia because there were more um, landmarks and kind of weird stuff there already rather than than Pennsylvania um, and I'm weird stuff
1: to you say weird stuff
2: that there's plenty of weird stuff mm-hmm. um, and then they kind of got together and they decided, okay, well, West Virginia is beside Pennsylvania, so we can take some of our like original concept because it's very um there's a lot of similarities just in the geography um and especially the geology of it um so bethesda got together and they're like okay we're gonna do west virginia and the rest is history
1: (laughs) ah all right so why why did it make sense from a like a lore perspective a lore perspective without uh, so i'm thinking like We don't want to give away too much. So some of these, some people are going to be jumping into the game and they're going to go, Oh, the brotherhood is somehow involved with this and maybe the enclave and some of these other places. Right. And we've got like, there's stuff you uncover in the game for that stuff. So I don't want to get too much into that. But what's so like from a lore perspective, um, lots of places get bombed, right? Lots of places get nuked to -hmm. hell, but for some reason, Appalachia doesn't. Right. Right. So now we have like a setting where people can go and come out of this vault and the world isn't it doesn't just look like Fallout three all over the place where everything's just like barren and destroyed. Right. Right. And there's actually
2: it's the scientific thing. I think it's called like a a nuclear bloom that when the bombs first drop, like there's going to be devastation and there's going to be like a what do you call it? Um, nuclear winter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, follow anyway joke. Anyways, yeah. um, there's going to be a nuclear winter, but right after that, there's this period where like everything has been so desolate that whatever plant life is there, all of a sudden gets resources after a lot of this hazard is cleared. And it almost like re blooms the, the environment. So that was kind of after seeing the footage at first, that was kind of what I was thinking. I was like, okay, so it's like that it's almost this rebirth of the landscape itself. Um, if the nuclear hazards had dissipated.
1: Ah, but that's not really what's going on, right? No,
2: that's not really (laughs) what's going on. But I think from, from the perspective of, of like first time, like looking at the game, that's what I had originally thought, but it's more or less that nuclear bombs, um, do not drop on Appalachia. However, if a nuclear bomb landed in DC, for example, um, West Virginia would would uh, get a lot of radiation. And I'm curious right, how, the, right. how that would affect everything.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. So one of the things that I discovered doing really early episodes of the podcast is that um, the bombs in Fallout are actually smaller. They're smaller yeah. than than, mm-hmm. than current uh, ones. And there's a um, there's a program you can use online where you can. Uh, have you seen this? I don't remember what it's called, but it, yeah, it shows a, you a map and then it shows you like if you were to detonate a certain size bomb in a certain place. Right. How- so
2: I'm a, a in in real life IRL baby. I am a um, cartographer. And so I had to get a degree in that. And that was one of the like interesting little maps that we were looking at in college was the, the nuclear bomb one. And yeah. then the one if like all of the polar ice cups melted, it was like what sea levels look like and um I, I think you would be gone tom i think i would still be here oh, yeah. but i think you and no. your house would would be gone
1: yeah my i'm i'm like right now i am sitting on i don't know 4 feet above seawater and that's yeah. simply because i'm in in a house if i was to step out of my house i'd be like half a foot above seawater <laughs> if i was just walking on the ground yeah it's um yeah all of florida is very 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 low
2: But those uh, the map the the bomb map is really interesting and it's interesting to see because it even has historical ones as you go back to like the first tests. uh, Oh, yeah. To even some of the newer, like, quote unquote, rumored ones that like would take out the entire East Coast. Obviously, they've never like it's rumored because you can't test that without somebody knowing, you
1: know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you can blow it up on the moon. Nope. There goes the entire moon right Mm, yeah
2: can't really do any any kind of testing with that which i suppose is a good thing
1: yeah probably probably so what what these maps show is like the you can even choose like do are they airburst do they burst on the ground what what is the radius of destruction what area will get radiation what area will get is in the blast zone Uh, Mm. if the winds are moving in a certain direction how far will the radiation go and it shows kind of like a like an area there, so yeah. So go go look that up if you want to find out if you're gonna survive a bomb going off on like the capital of your state or something like that. Um,
2: <laughs> so West Virginia particularly avoided the bombs. However, and I think that the more interesting thing about this game is that. The areas in which you inhabit outside of the forest all have some sort of natural disaster or unnatural disaster happen to them that shape the landscape around it. Ooh. Which, to me, it seems very interesting if you're looking into... I mean, like Elder Scrolls has different zones that you can go in, like Elder Scrolls Online, that all have different things, different continents. This one, you've kind of got these these incidents that occur. So, for example... Um, there's, uh, the forest, which really nothing happened of like big consequence other than, you know, everyone's dead. Um, (laughs) (laughs) the toxic Valley is more, um, like, uh, there's a lot of chemical industries in West Virginia. Um, and you can even, there's even a big movie that just came out in the theaters that I think up for Emmy nomination called dark waters and it has got Mark Ruffalo and it's the true story of this company back in the nineties. Um, that was poisoning the water water supply, and these like cows were drinking it; they were dying. And then it turns out that like the kids at school were drinking it, and they were dying. So once proper regulation um, came around for that, um, that's kind of died down. But I mean, I know people. For example, I took um, I took an OSHA um certified class, and the guy who gave it worked in a chemical plant in West Virginia. And he had already had all the kids he wanted to. And they were like, we're going to work on a special chemical for wartime purposes. And he was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, <laughs> I can't say the name of the chemical, but um, we're trying to get all f- a bunch of females. But we need a male in there to just like make sure. And he's like, OK, what it?" is <laughs> OK? it is a, They were developing. And this is I mean, this was in the 80s. They were developing a um, chemical that would uh, what's a good way to put this? It would uh, disintegrate by release by air and would disintegrate male genitalia. Hmm. To stop population from growing in uh, your enemy's area.
1: That sounds very pleasant.
2: So they couldn't get any male people to work there, but he um, was they didn't want them to be exposed. But he was kind of like a leader in the industry and. They were like, well, we want you to work here, but just know that you could have some problems. <laughs> Jeez. So that used to be, I mean, up until pretty recently, I mean, the, the chemical industry was is, and is still very large. Um, but the Toxic Valley is kind of a good representation of what happens when that runs rampant um, with all of these different monsters and. It seems like that some of the even the cryptids in the game which are like larger mythical monsters are affected by this chemical Um, then you go down to the ash heap and a lot of that is a commentary on mountaintop removal within the state which is a type of mining so most mining that you see in the movies are um, uh, uh, underground mining uh, via tunnels and so like you have tunnels and you go through and you you take a cart into a tunnel or you take an elevator down and then you're at a mine shaft and there's like an engineering situation. The mountaintop removal essentially takes off the cap of a mountain and then you dig into it. Um so you just have this gigantic quarry, and you can even see them if you drive in the interstates um in West Virginia, these mountains that are just like the flat all, tops. Yeah. They all look like
1: guile from Street Fighter.
2: Right. And so the thing with the ash heap was there was this. Explosion, and I'm not going to get too into spoilers. But there was this explosion in one of the mines, and it was their main like mountaintop removal mine. They have the big excavator in the game. Um, it, there was an explosion, and it created this uh, effect that it's a there's a city in um in in or a town in Pennsylvania, and you can look it up. You can look at Pennsylvania town coal mining disaster. I'm not particular with the name. But there was this fire that happened in a coal mine and coal can catch fire and it burns underground and it burns and it burns. But then this town, like the, the asphalt, like all of a sudden it would come up and it would break apart and it would be red and like cracking and smoke was coming out of it and it was getting in people's homes. And were people
1: like demons were invading the town. You can look at pictures, and that's where they like. There's a hell mouth is. underneath us.
2: You can literally see it. Like, you, there's <laughs> documentaries awesome. on this town, um, and a bunch of people had to move. They're still. I think they just got their last resident to move, but this happened years and years ago. But those fires, like, aren't going to die down. Like, it's going to happen for years and years and years because there's so much. It's such a large coal vein and multiple coal veins underneath this town that it's just on fire constantly. So the Ash Heap in Fallout 76 is reminiscent of that. Um, the Savage Divide really is just mountainous region. Um, I've got all these nice posters here to walk me through. Um, the Mire yeah. is a... I have these like really... Uh, I can post a picture of them. They're like um, tourism posters. So it's like, spend the day in the forest. West Virginia Department of the Interior. At yeah,
1: I, think region. It's, I think I've seen those.
2: Yeah, um, I really yeah. like them. I got them for like 20 bucks on eBay. Anyways, so the Mire was a vegetation disaster that there's a, there's like running theories and stuff that you can kind of infer from in the game as to what happened with this massive amount of vegetation, um, just like kind of all springing to life. And if you're a fan of Fallout, you can kind of piece together just from that information what may have happened. Um, and then lastly, there's the cranberry bog, which is a real place um, in West Virginia. It's much larger in, in scale in fallout 76. Um, but the thing about the cranberry bog is, first of all, cranberries grow there. Second of all, it's filled with carnivorous plants. Um, and on if you look at biology and in particular geography from this um, from like a macro scale, The thing that happens is giganticism and dwarfism. Um, So Mm -hmm. like that's where like they came up with the idea for King Kong. And there's like this beach out in Virginia where these little like little tiny horses run around. It's like a bunch of little Sebastians.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It has to do with a limitation of um, competition in a certain area.
2: Yes. So the cranberry bog is that. But the carnivorous plants decide, okay, particularly Sundrew are like, okay, well we are just going to take over this whole area now. Um, so th- th- there's hazards with that in Fallout 76. So I wish it was like Little Shop of Horrors where you had the talking plant at HU.
1: That would be awesome. If that was like a, a shop item that you could get and put in your house. Yes. So those are... are <laughs> Feed me, Seymour. <laughs> that would be great.
2: So those are kind of the, the hi- high level what the... It's it's like multiple. It's interesting because it's not just nuclear fallout. This is fallout from man-made disasters, natural disasters. Um, yeah, across yeah. a large scale.
1: Yeah, so much of the wasteland is all about you know like the the failings of humanity to rein in our own you know, competition and consumerism and all those things and eventually just blasting ourselves into the, you know, into a wasteland. Mm -hmm. But this is, this is that in so many other smaller ways across different biomes in one game, which is kind of this neat little subset of our own failings in multiple different ways. Mm -hmm. Yay, humans. Um, (laughs) That's really cool. I I didn't, I I knew each of the, the different zones had, you know, different reasonings and historical reasonings but uh tying them all back to um things that we have caused in some way or another right it's really interesting
2: and these are things particularly the ash heap and the toxic valley i think are are interesting just for west virginia history um the cranberry bog is literally just for fun um that's my thing because it's so weird to be like okay we're gonna go to the place where the man-eating plants are (laughs) Like, how often do you say that? Like, oh, what's in here? We got cranberries and and plants, a bunch of plants that feed off flesh. And it's interesting because the um, I, I can't remember now. Now I should know this because I did a whole one of my I guess like undergraduate dissertation was on the cranberry bog. So it's kind of funny that that's like a thing, you know, that it's yeah a whole. Yeah. After I spent hours and hours reading literature, um, the cranberry bog in West Virginia is interesting because it is um, the remnants of a glacier. So back in in the last ice age, there was a, gr- a glacier there. Um, that was carrying a lot of mammals and a bunch of different places. So when it melted, it made this swamp in the middle of the mountains. And like you're, like huh. there's tons of swamps in Florida, but there's no swamps in the Appalachian Mountains. But it is a swamp there. Um, it's also the originator for um, any flying squirrels in the Appalachian Mountains in the East Coast. It's that's one of the one of the things that I was working on was was there's a theory out there, but people are trying to reinforce that theory. Huh. Because they all lived up high in this glacier and they would fly down and they've kind of dispersed across Virginia and North Carolina and Pennsylvania and so on and so forth.
1: Glaciers are so crazy.
2: Glaciers are crazy.
1: <laughs> and on that note, um, <laughs> so that's that's really cool from like a like a I don't know, just like a different land masses type perspective. Right. Now, from a like culture perspective, mm-hmm. we have. um Places like, uh, I'm sorry, the, um, uh, the school for Vault uh, Tech, uh, Vault Tech University.
2: Yeah, Vault Tech University. Um, that is uh, pretty much uh, a lot of universities have like their building, like that you see on all the different signs. It's like, this is their main building. And it's probably the building that was built there in like the 1860s when Abraham Lincoln was like, let's make land grant universities. Um, that's the building that's there in fallout 76 is the actual building in real life. Um, mm-hmm. I did not go to, um, WVU. I went to one of their rival schools uh, Virginia tech, um, right. which is my pitch because Virginia tech is literally right on the border of West Virginia. It's like in one of the border counties in Virginia and they compete with, um, MIT because they're an engineering uh, school. And so my pitch is, okay, they already have, um, uh, what do you call it? They already have like synths, like the,
1: right, that's, the models. That's, for these are like the real world equivalents of who, what shows up in the games, right? Right. So MIT is basically the, the Institute. The Institute. Was it right. CIT? I
2: think it was called CIT in the game. CIT, right.
1: Right. Right. And then. So
2: my, my pitch was that, okay, this like competitive college made these like proto synths. And that's like a way to. Like, <laughs> To get that into the game if you want that and they don't have to be like full like you know because the whole thing is that they made these things that are like real people but there's a bunch of them that look like trash bin terminators you know that walk around (laughs) my pitch that's your pitch well so maybe so that's true that's fun it's fun to speculate on what what could happen are we going to go to Kentucky are we going to get horses and bourbon I certainly hope so Um, everybody
1: loves horses and bourbon
2: especially when you got the Kentucky Derby coming up soon. Yeah, there you go. Um. Anyways, a lot of, there's a lot of care and detail. And let me, let me almost kind of, do you want me to get into kind of what, like the level of detail of these buildings and towns that are in the game? You, you kind of sure. want me to touch on that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, my thought with this is, you know, let's explore just anything that would, help people to understand like why why go to West Virginia because I know when Mm -hmm. the game first came out there was a lot of question about that they're you know they're going okay people are people are like okay it makes sense you're out on the west coast we're hitting places like Las Vegas and uh Los Angeles and those kinds Mm -hmm. of places we're over on the east coast we're hitting the DC area we're hitting Boston like these very classic uh important cities Mm -hmm. West Virginia (laughs) you know like Right, like so. Yes, so any, any any information you have that helps people set that in their heads of like this actually does make sense as a location in the Fallout universe.
2: So, one of the things that I think is particularly, first of all, the the, the level of scale that they originally set up for the game um, was that it was going to be a whole state. Now, the reason. It's almost, there's not like one particular reason of why West Virginia um, for Fallout. It's more, they had this, it, it, in my head canon, when they developed the um, Nuka World um, DLC for Fallout 4, and that was a huge success. I mean, I, it was probably my favorite of the Fallout DLCs just because it's like, okay, we get to go to Disney World now and yeah. Like, yeah. play Fallout on these attractions. Um, I think they had that kind of design philosophy when they originally were mapping out and thinking of west virginia because the thing about it is every town every little nook and cranny kind of across west virginia has its own little legend um you know charleston is is the capital of west virginia which is where i live Um, and i mean there's a there's a tale of political power and mine barons here but i mean you go point pleasant and that's where these tales of the mothman which i'm sure many people have heard about uh, kind of originate from uh, you go down south and there's this i mean tale of of miners and the struggles that they've had for years and years and years in these communities of going to i mean they literally went to war with the united states at one point had bombs dropped on a mountain like the united states is the only time in american history where the united states has Dropped bombs on its own people, citizens of West Virginia, of of the United States. Um, There's this. There's the scenery of um, the the mountains themselves um, and how they interact with the environment. Where you can tuck like in DC, you can't tuck a city away. Mm -hmm. In 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 West Virginia, you kind of can. Um, You can put in these little towns, you can put in this, uh, this particular stuff. Um, and so when, back to the point about um, the uh, Nuka world, they move the map like they always do. It's not always to scale with anything, but they made all of these national parks, all of these towns, all of these like strange things, like the world's largest teapot. Like That's right. something that <laughs> West Virginia has that's like, well, who the heck... Uh, why the heck is that a thing um
1: yeah i just jumped back into the game for the first time in um a few months i I hadn't Mm -hmm. run around in the game actually in in a few months and uh played my second character derek who's still Mm -hmm. only like level 18 and sure enough came up on the on the teapot which i hadn't seen in probably a year Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i was like oh yeah this is in here oh that's right and so mr handy who's all about tea
2: oh yeah yeah uh sweet water right yeah, yeah, that is most likely a reference to um, uh, we have a Sweetwater Cafe in Charleston, and it, mm. the teapot in the game is right near Charleston. That's like a big, big deal. But that also, I can only infer some references. Um, just some of them are very obvious; other them others are a little on the nose or questionable. But the level of detail that they have overall is is evident that they know what they're talking about. So when they have these locations like the teapot like um the new river gorge bridge which is by the way the tallest land bridge in the united states um i was just it's about an hour from here um we like to go hiking um down there because it's a national park and they have a lot of nice hiking trails um <laughs> there's there's pl- a plethora of things and it's like okay if you pull up the map and fallout 76 it's different from every single fallout game because it's not like this like 3D line scan version of a map. It's like a theme park, right? Like you're looking at it, and everything is cartoonishly drawn with what it has. So, like Point Pleasant, while it's just a normal town in West Virginia, it has a big Mothman sign in the game. Like when you're looking at the the cartoon of the map, right? Um, and when you're looking at the, the bridge, there's there's a bridge, the teapot, there's a teapot, and, but they're spread out enough so that. You don't necessarily know the lay of the land. It just kind of hints you towards something being there, particularly.
1: Yeah, it kind of gives you a like, here's a reason why you would want to go here. Mm.
2: So I think I think that design lent well to having a state that has a lot of oddities that are kind of spread out um, over a number of different areas. But I also think they wanted it. They didn't want it. They didn't want to make it an urban environment or something particularly recognizable, because I think a lot of what they were originally going for was this almost survival dynamic, but also this ownership of the land that the players naturally have. Um, that is a part of this whole uh, uh, American colonialization, um, this whole rebuild America campaign, and the reclamation day. Like they wanted to make a landscape or have a landscape in the game that was interesting that had a bunch of things, but had enough space between it so that people could fill in the little gaps and stuff, so if people wanted to make yeah. a a diner and a strip club combination that they could. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense cuz uh, a lot of people um one of the things we've been discussing on the show is like if you were to do a Fallout 5 where would you put it? And, and mm. I've I've read a lot of discussion online too about people like here's ideas for other Fallout games where I would go. And of course places like New York City show up but like I can't imagine something like a Fallout 76 happening in a New York City cuz there's so much urban sprawl. Right. And even if it was all blown up it would just be like wreckage of urban sprawl right. everywhere and the, it, taking that back is very very difficult whereas something like west virginia there's there's a lot of open land that right. you have the ability to you know plant your little camp and build something there and now you have got you've you've added to what's in the world
2: i'm curious just from kind of speculating um if They're going to test something like that with Fallout 76, because what it seems like to me is Fallout 76 has become a testing ground kind of for Bethesda's other projects that they are testing graphics for Starfield. They've said that, I mean, that's been in interviews that they kind of said that they are developing a few of these things for for Skyrim. I think that even this dialogue system they're looking in, it's like, okay, well, how can we put that? you know, let's try this here and let's see what works and what doesn't work. And maybe in Elder Scrolls six, like we can do the evolution of that.
1: Well, um, it makes it makes a lot of sense because now you have a um, a platform, like a live platform where you can see how it actually responds live in front of actual human beings. Right. Um, as opposed and you're to like,
2: getting feedback. I mean, yeah. that's the most important thing. Like you, you send out Skyrim like stay uh, back in 2011 and you kind of had to wait on reception to get back for all this. It's like you can kind of develop agilely in a, in a environment where stuff is out there and people are testing it and people are giving you feedback and it's kind of understood. Yeah, totally. So when you say something like New York, um, I, I often think that as they go on um, and I, it kind of has a, the way that I kind of speculate is i strongly feel like that fallout 76 is, has a very similar path that um the elder scrolls online development has yep and they've even in in the panel talked about this kind of like like um fallout 76 like rebalancing that was essentially their version of tamriel one which was one of the big updates for eso way back right Um, but i think that they're going to start adding on some areas um i think you're gonna uh, I think that when you're talking about New York and you're talking about verticality in a fallout game, they, they kind of tested that a little bit with Manhattan, but I, I can't see them going out and saying, okay, we're going to add in areas without almost starting at the pit because that's... Going back to the pit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's directly beside West Virginia. Um, and it's so it's so leveled and layered... Just even from Fallout three, if you wanted to test something like that to see okay it's how can we make something that has like high urban density on this you know it's not gonna be it's not gonna be New York, but it's gonna be something smaller it's gonna have but it's gonna have this like large scale feel to it with different layers. I think that that could be something that they look into that would make sense for the map that they have right now as a whole plus as they learned with the um the Morrowind expansion for ESO that Nostalgia Mm -hmm. sells
1: yeah and and because these games were all developed uh, using a lot of the same technologies just evolved I wonder if you could actually take that um that map and then update it for 76 and expand it
2: I'm sure that there's, there's a way to do that. I also would not be surprised. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, okay, our big, you know, we did Wastelanders this year. Next year, we're going to do a brand new zone, and it's DC. And it's just added as like a new zone for the game. Um, because yeah. at, the, at the scale, you would want to scale it down just a little bit because there's, I mean, going back and even playing Fallout 3 in the last, I think I played it like three months ago, um, again, for a little bit. There's so much dead space um, right. that that really is just like okay, I'm really trying to jump up this rock. How do I get around
1: this rock? <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a lot of I'm just walking from one place to another. Nothing happens here.
2: Yeah. So I think I think that would be an interesting place if we're speculating of of places kind of to take it. That would first of all, you would get every every everyone who bought Fallout 3 would be like, okay, now I've really got to try it because. I've played it before, and I want to go back and look at it.
1: <laughs> right? What was this like before the Brotherhood rolled in? So, for
2: '76 as it stands now, uh, I see it as this: they're trying something. I think they really wanted to try something different at the beginning. I think they're starting to learn that uh, that people want wanted to play a, people wanted to play a multiplayer Fallout game. I think people really did. I think what they wanted to do in the Fallout game was just play what they liked about Fallout, which was the questing together with the dialogue options and you know kind of this world building. A lot of people are into building their own camps, like that's something that I've that I've done back and Mm -hmm. forth. Like my current camp, I've recreated this this old camp idea that I had from Fallout Vault Boy's WC called the Squat and Gobble.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, the squat and gobble.
2: The yeah. squat and gobble, yes, which is a it's, it's this diner restaurant. But I've added on to it because they've added in a a false door that looks like a nuca cola uh, machine. Oh yeah, yeah. And you open that, and there's this like tiny little quest to get a code for this door that I've built, and it's just this little room, and you kind of follow the clues. You've got to go through Charleston, and you've got to like actually find this street, and it's listed in the game. This is all stuff that. Is kind of set up and then there's the code for that door i've managed to put on this innocuous location that's still within my camp boundaries it's on that street name but the street name you got to go all the way through charleston for once you find out that code it opens up and it's a secret cantina in the back (laughs) and so uh, just kind of getting those ideas from people who have also played the game with these interesting builds i think people there's i think a What's a good way to put this? People are really into having their identity and ideas um, not necessarily implemented, but being having a having a workspace really to create and play uh, and putting it inside of their favorite universe so that they're having a bunch of cosmetics for their their character, having all of this camp budget and building your own little fort and trying to get people to come to your place to either buy stuff or just like to have a dance party or to do whatever.
1: Right. Uh, Or just show your friends and be like, Hey, this was my idea for these games. I made it for real. Here it is. Go, go look. Right. Yeah. There's something, there's something to that. I think, I think that's uh, a lot of what you've brought up are are things that uh, have resonated with me and, and things that I've, you know, I think, us, I think both of us
2: I think both and I don't want to speak for you but just from I typically play solo which I think you do too, right? Yeah, usually. Mm-hmm. And so this is it's interesting to have like I have a limited amount of time, you know, real life is is a thing that happens. <laughs> um but I only have really time for one live service game. Um and it's it's both like kind of like strangely ironic that the one live service game is just like a, a alternate reality version of my own life.
1: Uh, Are you making your own squat and gobble?
2: I mean, <laughs> but, but I know like I've been to the restaurant that I have built the squat and gobble on right, top of. Right, like, right, you know, right, right, yeah. Like th- there's this this weird like I like I had I had my wife play it and. Um, she was walking around Flatwoods for a bit and she was like, oh, I remember this. I remember this. She eventually quit because she said, what do you do in this game? Just like pick up stuff and take it to people. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much
1: it. My wife loves games like this because she just wants to collect all the things.
2: Yeah. And like, in
1: Fallout, you can't ever collect all the things. There's just too much stuff. And so mm-hmm. she's always just like, pick up more stuff, pick up more stuff. Yeah, It's the guy's
2: grocery games of the guys of, um, of Fallout. Um, the world of Fallout. I don't know what kind of analogy I'm trying to make, but I'm I'm trying to fit Guy Fieri into it somehow. <laughs> I don't I don't know how that works. So, oh. uh, huh. kind of uh, not to not to not to steer the conversation, but there's a little bit of a cultural um aspect to the story as well that resonates uh, kind of getting back to lore yeah yeah um, and outside of, of of why western there's a little bit yeah of let's cultural, talk
1: let's talk culture
2: yeah so i don't like how much other than well this is kind of kind of putting us but how much do you know about like western culture and politics or just not even west virginia but like appalachia like the the mining community area
1: um well if you know like let's say 95 out of 100 i probably know like 10 I think and that's because i've listened short. to you talk about some of this stuff wow. before. <laughs> well
2: it's really i and, and i'm one of the reasons that i started vault boys wv um is because i had hoped i'd hoped that it was going to be almost an exploration of of the culture within a game um if you mm-hmm. notice This is probably one of the one of the only like media representations of West Virginia where there aren't a bunch of hillbillies. Yeah. Like even in when you go to I was I was expecting there to be stuff like in Point Lookout. Like you remember they had like the mutated hillbilly kind of situation. Didn't they have
1: that in Point Lookout? Yes. Um,
2: Was it Point Lookout? I know what you're talking about. In Maryland. Yeah. So I was kind of expecting something like that, but to get, for example, the mole miners, like coming up with this its own race of people for for the game and saying, okay, these are all the miners that were Mm -hmm. down, undergoing these experiments, and there's it isn't fully solved in the game so I won't get quite into it, but there is a lot of hints in the lore as to what exactly the the mole miners are and long story short like most things it's like specific kinds of radiation or testing or drug right. industry kind of stuff right. um, yeah
1: there's there's a there's a nugget of like well it's probably this but we don't really know
2: right but they are these miners that were put essentially underground um and we're forced to be there by the outrageous working practices that the, um, coal barons. And when, when I say coal barons, they are like the CEO of the coal companies. That's the derogatory term for them in West Virginia is a coal baron. I'm showing my, like, because my family was like on the Hill and died in the bombs, not like people I know, but you know, back in like the 1800 kind of stuff happened.
1: Right. Um, so you've got, you've got, you got to represent. I've got, uh, it, it's a little bit
2: biased. I mean, I, I, You know, I'm not very pro um, coal CEOs and big money um, and going through your, um, you know, what's a good word for it? I guess um, hurting your, the common worker. Anyways. Right. These, um, these mole miners are a product of that. And it's like almost kind of sad. And they, when you kill them, they're carrying around toys and like their old watches and like all of this strange little trinkets and stuff that it's like, okay, why do they, why do they have this? Like they're, they're sentient enough to know what's going on. They're not like ghouls. Um, they're more like super mutants, I suppose, in that aspect where they, they can organize and they can get together. Right. So for me, that's interesting going through Beckley, uh, which is one of the cities in the game, and there's protest signs against this gigantic movement of bringing robots in to, um mine uh in place of hu- the human workforce um, and that's like you you can pick up protest signs i remember our buddy ken has a youtube video where they literally staged a protest against robots in and like he got a bunch of his friends and they all got <laughs> protest signs and they walked around and they oh and every time they saw a robot they just like all eight of them came at them with protest signs and were just whacking on them. <laughs> the, uh, nice. The, there's this whole thing about can robots take over for humans? And that's a, an important argument today, even in AI. AI develops. Um, you can kind of see this almost like Elon Musk identity in, when you go to Watogo, which is a, a city fully automated by protectrons and assaultrons and mr Handys right. in the game right yep and then you can start to see like okay how do we some companies were building power armor that it's like okay we can utilize technology but still have these human workers and we can put them in this particular power armor and maybe that'll do better than the robots
1: uh, right like the um Uh, what's the the power armor that's meant for uh for mining and stuff the um Mm. crap what is it called
2: excavator power
1: excavator yeah that's Mm it that's the word
2: there's this whole story i I don't know if you um learn about um oh what's his name um the steel driving man um john henry the steel driving yes
1: yes (laughs) do you know about john henry Uh
2: is a folk hero who um fun fact um Jeff Kasdan, who is Lawrence Kasdan's son. And Lawrence Kasdan wrote um, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and one of the... I think he wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, He's a big Hollywood writer. He's from Morgantown, West Virginia. His son is working on a Netflix movie about the steel driving man, John Henry. Mm -hmm. um, And The Rock is playing John Henry, which I think is kind of cool. But he The story takes place in this place called Hinton, West Virginia, in to build this tunnel called Big Bend. And you can go to Big Bend Tunnel in West Virginia, like it's still there. There's a statue of um, of John Henry there, but you kind of get this story that alludes to some of that as you uncover the lore behind the excavator power armor, behind these robots being able to mine on these certain things. As technology grows, you you kind of learn this almost class disparity between the, the, the average blue collar worker and in technology. Um, it's, it's very, it's very interesting. Probably the last, um, like cultural thing that I see, um, that really hasn't been touched on much. And because I think it's a little more, um, it's, it's a little more personal from a West Virginian background is the scorched themselves. Um,
1: Okay, And for anyone who hasn't played, the Scorched are kind of the main... Uh, I guess you could say they're the main enemy type, being that they're, Scorched Beasts are kind of the...
2: Right. There's the this game. whole thing called the Scorched Plague that's right. ravaged, and that's what killed everyone. That's the reason everyone's dead. That's, you learn that. I, I, to replaying it with my wife, you learn that right out the vault, that everyone's dead because of the Scorched Plague. Right. Um, and through... And there's a really, you can go really deep on the science behind like the scorched and there's like very scientific explanation as to why like th- this kind of thing can happen. This event can occur, but it has a lot to do with um, the drug, ec- drug epidemic within West Virginia and addiction particularly. And there's these stories of like they can't kill their loved ones. Because they see their faces and they see that they're these scorched people um, and they're, they're just having a hard time and they can kind of remember, like they have some sentience, they can kind of remember their past life, but they can't, they're not fully involved in the society. And so that, that was one of the main problems with with eradicating the scorched is that they were so much like their family, it was almost like they were sick and they needed to help them, but they couldn't which the number one quote unquote sickness in West Virginia is drug addiction feel that way with their families. I mean, with, yeah, you know, brothers and sisters and, and, and children and parents that, that have addiction. And it's like, there's no like cure for that. And how, how do you work through that? Like they almost become different people in that cycle. Um, right. There's a very deep layer that, maybe you wouldn't get if you weren't from here behind that particular enemy.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I I didn't, I didn't associate that with drug addiction, but that makes sense. You have, you have something that basically takes over the individual and turns them into something other than what you knew them as. Right. Kind of removes them from society Right. makes them uh, in this case it makes them more violent and volatile, but you know, drug addiction can do, do that kind of thing.
2: Right. And it's like, it's, you, you can't boil it down to be like, Oh, disgruntled miners are mole miners like it's not a you know (laughs) right
1: right right yeah interesting and it's it's cool that there's so many different layers to all the things that were considered in how something like this gets gets built out and um if somebody wasn't you know somebody in your shoes who has a lot who's studied Mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff i'm sure can see a lot of the analogies it's, it's just like, um, somebody who, you know, has done film studies you watch a new movie and you get all the references to other films and other literature and those kinds of things. Like right. the more you, you see of something, the more you see all how, all the other p- puzzle pieces connect into it. Right. But, um, the average fallout players go in, well, how does this fit into fallout? And it's, uh, and it does. And you learn more about that. Like I, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, as you get into it, you start to find out like, what was the brotherhood doing? Why couldn't they stop the scorched plague? What is the enclave doing or well, why are they here? And there's a very interesting reason for why they're there. You know, there's a right. very specific bunker um, and there's a lot of these fallout reasons for, for these things. Um, but if you're not from that area, you, you miss out on, you know, and I think you've you've done a good job kind of bringing us through each of these different areas, like the environment the culture, the, the, all of these things that collectively were, were things that were considered and are deep and interesting in their own ways mm-hmm. that are now being brought into the Fallout universe through, you know, the side door of uh, our reality, <laughs> you know?
2: Right. And, and one of my pieces of advice, if you're playing, if you're coming back to this game um, and let's say it's your first time playing it, um, I would recommend trying to Read everything. I know that's like typically you, you go as fast as you can, trying to get through a terminal because you want to unlock the door, and so you're right. just kind of on autopilot. And you're like, "Let's come on, let's go, let's let's speed this up a little." Um, I I would really recommend reading notes throughout the game. Kind of you're piecing together these personal stories. The story and the amount of lore is dependent on whether you want it or not. Whereas in in every single Fallout game before that this the lore and the story have kind of been told through you by either you know character exposition by um cut scenes, by your own choices um and this one um as it stands right now it's a little bit different now wastelanders right. is going to change
1: that up yeah it's, it's definitely stitched together a lot more for at least from my uh, the, the amount that i got to play through and mm-hmm. then um some of the other things i've heard people talk about the um the characters and the world are more stitched together. So there's more reason to come across a character who gives you a quest line that takes you to a place that is somewhere you would have gone before the character was there, but now you've got a little bit more context for why you're going there and what's going on. So there's a little bit more impetus to like then read the read the terminal, because it relates to the thing the character was talking about. Right. So yeah, and, and I think so the the advice still stands. Read read the terminals. There's cool read stuff in the terminals. In there. Yeah,
2: right. It, it play it almost like a like a dishonored, prey, like these mores. Like you're gonna listen to every single recording whenever you play any of the Bioshocks. Like you're gonna listen to somebody give this, I guess, monologue over something. Like I always do when yeah. I play them. Um, yeah, it it begs to be done. Um, it's hard to organize just because of how the the UI of the menus kind of laid out. But it's worth doing that. Um, you're talking about Wastelanders. Um, one of the things that has me really excited, that's just from like from my perspective as a West Virginian, is the two new factions. Um, yeah. The, uh, the Raiders and the Settlers. And kind of their background of the Settlers being these people from D.C. that work for, I think, a construction group, right? From what you played, is that kind of what you got the idea of?
1: Um, I didn't get that far into it to, to okay. find out specifics, but uh i'll take your i'll take your opinion on that well i think it's from i think
2: it's from an inside the vault they had mentioned that they were from dc and that they are from a construction group um i have i have zero inside information. i don't
1: remember the construction part but i'll have to look that up again
2: it's okay it's from a construction group i have zero insider information is i've managed to not get anyone to pts for me um and and give me the deets although my my crusade continues um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the construction group are the quote unquote good guys. These are the settlers. These are the people that, that come in and they're trying to rebuild Appalachia just like you are. But then on the other hand, you have these raiders that are coming in that are living in the space station. But you learn that it's like, okay, well, these raiders are kind of, um, they're people that were here before. Like they're from the story. They are one of the raider groups that were in the main story. And it's like, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. Well, why are they raiding? And it's like, well, these settlers are kind of on the land that the raiders are. And isn't that technically the raiders land? Raiding?
1: Isn't that kind of raiding,
2: (laughs) in a way? I mean, taking somebody else's stuff? That's the thing. And then you come into it of this, you start to see, I mean, even just from this knowledge, this this opening up of the cultural norms of some of the gentrification that happens in cities in West Virginia. Like if you have a Walmart that comes in and builds on top of land, like that's a lot of resources for the people, but at what cost? Like these right. people have come in and gentrified it, have changed the, the land and the, you're and the, culture. the economy. You're yeah. losing the culture. You're losing daddy's little general store. And it's not necessary. not necessarily like, the thing about West Virginia is not necessarily the way of the, that the way of life is inadequate or under, um, but oftentimes when processes work better, that stuff gets to be replaced, and people lose culture. Like, for example, West Virginia had its own way of, of, um, of reading music through literal shapes. They were called shape notes. You can look it up. And, Seriously,
1: I didn't know yes. about this. Yeah, that's back,
2: amazing. Back when these like churches that were formed after the British colony um, created a way of reading music because people couldn't like they had these like fancy English people with their fancy music and they were like, well, we don't want to do that. But then, yeah. as more churches modernized, as more of these larger like denominations of churches moved into the area, then these like old mountain churches that were put together just by this dude that. Lived out there, they kind of go to the wayside, um, and I mean, there's like more interesting stuff like that. But also, those are the churches that possibly could have been doing the snake handling, um, which I have seen, uh, which is incredibly interesting um, as a as a cultural thing, and how they get people to live from biting the snakes. I mean, <laughs> wow. it, it sounds it sounds so funny, but like they are putting they're weaning people on to poison. Like everybody is, is drinking poison so that their tolerance builds and builds over their lifetime. And I mean this is from when they're kids. They're drinking a little bit of poison. So that if a bite, if a snake bites them, they'll live. Because more they have resistant such a high it. yeah, they have yeah. such a high tolerance. Yeah. And that's part of when you see that you're like, oh man, like we don't want that. Much like to how the Raider um, way of life, quote unquote, is um, you, you start to see it's like, okay, well, we don't really, that's kind of strange and out there, but it's a part of that culture that was already there from the beginning. Right. So you can, you can start to see kind of, they're continuing on telling this particular um, rural versus urban, like blue collar versus white collar, this, kind of dichotomy of ideas as they go which they've done in in fallout 4 with you know the with authentic between synthetic and fallout 3 between the military and the politicians like you've there's the dichotomy as you roll through these games
1: yeah that's really cool that makes a lot of sense i'm looking at the shape notes this is really cool i'm there's not too many times I come across something like this and I've like I've never heard of that before because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm generally interested in all sorts of weird crap, but shape notes make a lot of sense. Right. Uh, like like visually, they... you can see the different... Okay, so just let me explain this real quick to the listeners uh, and then we'll wrap up the episode. But sure. um, so as the notes ascend through a scale like Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, Ti, Do, it goes from like a triangle to a half circle to a diamond to another slanted triangle. So you can at a glance, know which note in the scale the note is Uh, for, so for like simple, more simplistic music that doesn't really shift scales or, or, you know, uh, go through complex changes, something Mm. that just kind of stays in one key, then this makes a lot of sense. Cause for example, you could see like, oh, this is a root note and that's a fifth on top of it. So you know that's right. a fifth harmony at a glance without having to think. Okay, what note is this? What note is this? It makes it's, some sense.
2: It's crazy to me the, the the amount of traditions and really the only thing that really evolved in its own widespread tradition from um, like Appalachian culture was um, not necessarily moonshining because moonshining has been a thing since like Gaelic days, um, but bootlegging. Um, when they were trying to move the product to Chicago for like an, an Al Capone, um, they were building these cars that, um, that needed to look like regular cars, but also needed to be very fast on these turns in the mountains. Um,
1: mm-hmm. and I remember so, you talking about this, yeah,
2: right. And so then they, like over the time, they were building these cars. They were going super fast. They had these drivers that were particular to it. But then once prohibition ended they had all these drivers and these cars and they were like, well, we still want to race. And so they put on these little races. And then as this like little racing community started to sprout, they were like, well, we should just like make it official. And they were like, what are we going to name it? And they were like, well, we'll name it NASCAR. And that's how you got NASCAR.
1: NASCAR. That's crazy. No. Oh man. All right. Well, <laughs> that's, I could, this is, I could go on this is a, a lot on. of really cool stuff. Um, <laughs> I, if, if you guys have any questions for Dave about any of this stuff, um, I'm sure he'd be happy to answer them. He's, he's in the, the discord on occasion and I'm sure I we can get it, We can get you back for an extra episode if we have people who are like, well, this is really interesting. Tell me more about this. Well, Just,
2: just wait until I claw for a few months over this wastelander. And then I'll come out with some like revelation and like, <laughs> you'll be like, Oh, it's amazing. The founders, you know, go on.
1: Yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you for joining me. And, um, sharing all of that cool stuff. Um, I'm going to fall into a well or into a hole, uh, looking at shape notes now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that these were a thing. So crazy. And, um, yeah. And thank you for uh, helping save my voice a little bit. Cause you, you've been able to talk a lot and I've, I've been able to listen a little bit more. So
2: I was trying to uh, adjust the needs and I thought, well, if I, if I can keep Tom from saving that, that beautiful voice, then <laughs> that's probably a good thing. Get what if back to feeling good.
1: What if, I never, what if I never get back and I always just sound like this forever? I'm just like yeah. scruffy sounding guy for the rest of my be, life.
2: You can just tell everybody that you're like a 40-year-old smoker.
1: I'm, so I've been smoking. I've been smoking for 70 years and I'm only 40.
2: Yeah, you're, you're going to start sounding like a ghoul. That'll be interesting.
1: Oh, there you go. I'm a ghoul. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast. <laughs> this is your ghoul friend. Robots. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Like that's a dichotomy in itself (laughs) oh man what if they programmed a robot to be have ghoul personality now that would be
1: what if the ghouls were always just robots oh (laughs) (laughs) new theories would anybody
2: guess if a ghoul was a synth there you go
1: would anybody guess yeah
2: these are the questions
1: these are the questions all right man well thanks for joining me and um oh and tell us a little bit about your new you got a new show
2: yeah, uh, real quick, uh, I've started a new podcast. I've done this third iteration of, of podcasts that I've started with Vault Boys WV, Cryptid Cast, and now I'm doing Mystery Time Live, which is a new weekly podcast in which we go into many of the mysteries, big and small, from across the world. And we kind of dig deep on it. Um, it's a little bit of comedy, it's a little bit of actual research, and it's a lot of just being impressed by. Very strange happenings. Um, our first episode is out and it is about um, ghosts that invade a small town or the ghost spirits, shadow people that invade a small town in um, New Zealand called Martin. And the local community um, via a Reddit uh, page has all banded together to talk about a number of different strange things like them drawing blood through mosquitoes to give to the government. And people are starting to get replaced by mirror people. And the only way you can tell is if they're wearing sunglasses. And then after 40s freaking, yoga, there's a community group. And the password is Oklahoma. It's there, There's a whole thing. Um, the next the one that we're going to release this week is about the um, jejun Institute, which if you have watched um, a little bit of AMC's new shows, Dispatches from Elsewhere, about this... Um, really outlandish ARG that happened in San Francisco back in 2008. And we talk a lot about that. Hmm. It's every Wednesday called Mystery Time Live. And you can find it on Twitter, Instagram, all of your podcast services. It has the same name, which I was very happy about when I created all the marketing materials for this.
1: Very cool. Hey, I've got one question for you. Yep. So ghosts, they're yep. inc- incorporeal, right? They don't, they don't, by default, they don't interact with physical objects.
2: Right. I mean, they they
1: can, if they want to.
2: Right. It's it's more like a, um, okay, yeah. Like but, they can't they, like touch something.
1: Right. Like they go through things. Right. Right. Or they can possess them. Yes. Or they can possess them. How do they stay on the planet when the planet is spinning very fast and moving through space?
2: Um. A lot of people believe that um. Ghosts are um. So like ghosts are spirits that have not um, yet feel like they have something they need to do. And if you Uh notice in a lot of the modern pop culture interpretations of ghosts, they go through the same routines, like they act like they're alive. And so they eat and they breathe and they do all the things. Um, So maybe they just are very attuned to the velocity at which the earth travels. Because that feels uh, comfortable uh, to them. Because if think about mm-hmm. it, if the world just stopped, like wouldn't you feel like you're going a little slow? Like even if you're a human. Well, if
1: the like, world just stopped, we'd probably all just get like flung into the wall. Well, we probably would, and we would all probably
2: burn. Probably something Yeah. Some st- strange, like polar axes would turn. Anyway. <laughs> but if that would happen, you would feel like it would kind of feel weird. Like if everybody was strapped in for that moment and then it stopped. Like you'd be walking around, you're like, man, shouldn't I be going like
1: should I be I know, like moving like seven kilometers in, faster? <laughs> moving in circles at extreme fast rates, while also yes. going extreme fast rates around a sun, and also going extreme fast rates around a galaxy, while it's also going extremely fast through the universe. Right. Maybe that's why we have high anxiety. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> there you go. Solved. High anxiety solved. All right. Well, thanks, Dave. How else can yeah. people get a hold of you if they want to reach out?
2: Uh, if you want to reach out, I'm on the Robots Radio Discord. I'm on, I think, the Aristocrat Discord for the, aristoc-
1: the, <laughs> the Aristocrat Discord.
2: Yeah, The, uh, the Aristocracy Discord. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Dave Chafins, which is D-A-V-E-C-H-A-F-I-N-C. Um, you can just reach out to me there. Um, uh, don't visit me at my home.
1: Don't, don't go to his don't home. But, my home. But visit us at the Fallout Hub, because both of us and Ken... From uh, Chad Fallout seventy six story are on the Fallout Hub every week, right. and we just released the episode where you almost missed the opportunity to talk with Wes Johnson. Yeah,
2: and th- this uh, what a fantastic first of all interview that was. Uh, but then this coming week, it's where Tom is 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 dying, and I'm I'm dying. I get to be put into the into the captain's seat, and we see how we steer that train down to who knows where. <laughs>
1: down to clowntown all right so that's the fallout hub uh, available everywhere all right guys well uh, thank you Dave for joining me and next week hopefully my uh, vocal faculties will all be returned and I'll uh, bring you a much more Mm. usual episode of the fallout lorecast Mm. Uh, but thank you for joining me this time for for some really cool uh, West Virginia deets I don't know I'm losing words my brain has been asleep for five days all right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com, or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter, at Fallout Lorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutboardcast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon.